I am excited tonight to talk about a really unique um, word that we've heard most of our life, and it's called guilt. Guilt is a crazy word because it's used against us a lot. And if you, if you ever grew up watching television like myself, we saw a lot of TV shows, and that word was always, you're guilty. Whether you grew up with, um, per, uh, let's start with uh, Perry Mason, or you grew up with Mannix or Barnaby Jones, let's go to that. That Rockford Files, yeah, exactly. Oh, that was cool right there. Or, or you got um, NCIS, or you got um, Law and Order, which we all saw. Um, there were just been some great um, shows about it. But the word guilt, it, there, it's a word that was created to help you identify about what you've done. How do you identify with the things you've done? And some of us in this room, uh, maybe you haven't, but I have made a lot of mistakes in my life. I've gone through seasons where I just couldn't break free from it. I just felt guilty all the time. I just didn't feel like I was free to go ahead. And I was processing this for the last few weeks. And um, I'm going to get into the text in a, in, a, in a few moments. But you know, when I was processing it, I realized that I must not be the only man. I must not be the only man that has a challenge when I want to run in freedom, but then all of a sudden I'll stop because I'll realize some of the stuff that I've done or my sin nature is still here or I'm still dealing with it. And um, I'm excited because I know God wants to break that off of us. I know that God wants to give us a mentality that he has us free. He has us free. He has us free. But sometimes this word guilt can come back in and be the shackle, could be the, the, the chain, could be the bondage, it could be the mindset, it could be the addiction, it could be all of the things that keep us confounded and conflicted sometimes or we don't walk in the true freedoms of God. I love what Romans 15, 13 states. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope and by the power of the Holy Spirit. May he fill us as we trust in him. And I think that singularly is where we're going to start. We're going to start with trust. I'm going to tell you right now, don't worry about what you did. 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 Let the worry leave. Break up with guilt. Break up. Change your phone number. Change your email. Stop calling it. Don't let it call you. It's just a bad relationship. Freedom is ours, and freedom is ours through trusting. And sometimes that's not an easy thing. But when you live your life according to the word, things change. You will never bring anything to the table other than sin nature. I know you're amazing, and you're phenomenal men, you're smart men, you're strategist. Many of you could um, outwit anybody. You guys are incredible. However, what you bring to the table, no matter how you clothe it, is sin nature. But when you live a life that's according to God, there's something about you that's different. There's something about the transparent people that are going through challenge and adversity that's different from the people that are walking around feeling guilty. For instance, you can't fake a God-centered life, and you can't mistake a self-centered one. You can't fake a life that's God-centered. But I'm telling you right now, you can smell anyone that has a self-centered life. 
that you're overthinking you. You're overthinking your processes. You're overthinking your situations. You, you're walking in shadows. You're walking in not clarity. You keep going back possibly to mindsets that were in your past, dealing with something that happened before. And I want to encourage you. I want tonight to be a night of healing. I want tonight to be a night of revelation. But more than that, I want tonight to be a night of just encouragement. Just solid divine encouragement that you're going to make it. You can make it through. You can make it. And maybe this might not be for you, but it might be for your spouse. Maybe it's going to be for your child. Maybe it'll be for a nephew. Maybe for a, a, a workmate or an employee. But I want you to get this into your heart tonight that there are certain things that the enemy uses against us. And I know one of the main things the enemy has used against me is guilt. He sometimes makes me feel guilty for my pain. He'll make me feel guilty for my anger. He'll make me feel guilty for the things that I don't do well. And when I start thinking of it and processing it through that pattern, and I'll start realizing that, my gosh, I am back to being crucified again. I'm back on that cross. I don't understand. I thought I had freedom. And it's my thoughts that take me back. So let's talk about that just for a second. Toxic thoughts. When you go through pain, you go through challenge, you go through adversity, when you go through troublesome times and tumultuousness, and we don't deal with those feelings because since the age of three, you've been told to walk it off, and you stuff that down, what's going to happen is that pain's going to ferment. It's going to emotionally ferment, and all of a sudden, what's going to happen is you're going to have a toxic thought problem. So when you have really good moments, and you just want to feel great, and you have that random Thursday, you wake up, and you just go, God, I feel great today. I don't know what I did or how I did it. I didn't do anything abnormal, but I'm just, I'm clear. I'm free. And all of a sudden, these toxic thoughts start coming into your heart and into your mind and start going, you, oh, yeah, but I forgot about that. Oh, I forgot about that. And you start faking yourself back into a pit, back into a hole, and it's this processing that's ruinous because the toxic thoughts come from feelings that have not been dealt with from pain. So it's so important when we go into challenge and adversity, that's like we talk about a lot in this room, table time. That is one of the most valuable things that we have in this ministry. If I was to die, I was actually asked this weekend, if I was to die this week, would I feel my legacy was strong? And what was great is my eyes teared up, and I know I got twins that need me and a wife that loves me and ministry that, I, that I'm excited to be part of. But I said, absolutely, and here's why. I learned to love honestly, and nobody can take that from me. I've been transparent. What you see is what you get. My private nature speaks to your public knowledge. Philippians 1.6 states this. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Man, I have held on to that sucker. I have been through some storms, brothers, and I've been on my knees crying in the middle of the night. You know those nights when you got to lay hands on yourself going, God, bless me in the name of Jesus. Rebuke this demon in my head. I'm tired of this stinking thinking, you know, when you got these challenges and adversity that rises up. But then you hold on to that. He is faithful to complete the work that he started in me. And his work that he starts, he has to finish. I really have very little to do with it. When, you, when you're walking through what we walk through in life, 
because you might be in a great season right now. But chances are you might not be in a great season 10 years from now. God is a God of pruning. God is a God of correction. And God is a God of strategy. And most privates I've ever known didn't go from private to general in one day. They went from private to corporal to captain to colonel to general. I'm too millennial. I'm not in the military. I'm thinking back at MASH right now. It's going, okay, corporal radar, major, yeah, major, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was trying to go to all the people in MASH. I'm really dating myself through television tonight. I'm going to be 60 in three years if anybody wants to know. So um, it takes a while, guys. Just because you the dipping in the pool doesn't mean you're going to go to the deep end. God has got a process, and he's got a strategy, and he's working in your life, and he has something for you. You just can't give up on it. You have to, get, you have to understand that the greatest general was just the greatest private because the greatest leader was just the greatest servant. In the natural realm, we have to do things. We have to do natural things that help us to get supernatural blessings. There are certain things he'll have you do in the natural realm that just don't make sense to you, but he's actually got a supernatural solution to it or a supernatural component to it. Like, he needs you to do this, but it doesn't make sense. Like, whatever it is. Um, I've been going through a season in my life that my, my guys know. I've just been having to listen and make a step, and I'd have to listen and make a step. And I'd, make a I'd have to listen and make this step, and some of the steps didn't even seem logical. But all of a sudden, the dots start to connect and make sense. But I also in this process, I want to encourage you, it's never a leap of faith. It's always a step of faith. And just make sure you take those steps one by one in the natural. Because the question is, could it be that God uses natural obedience for supernatural blessings? Could it be that God will use a natural obedience for a supernatural blessing? What he's telling you to do on this side, can it affect what's going on on that side? Because he says, abide in him and he will abide in us. And if we abide in him, he's going to prune us that will, that will produce much fruit. But that pruning should be a free time. It should be a good thing. Should, we were talking about that at staff this morning with Jared. I was sharing with him this portion of scripture. And I said, I love the fact that pruning is the fruit of abiding. And he's like, what do you mean? I mean, by, because we abide in, the Bible says he's going to prune us. That will produce much fruit. So the fruit is in the pruning. And the fact that we abide, the fruit, pruning is the fruit of abiding. And it's great to be in that space. And it's great to be in that mindset to say, prune me, prune me, prune me, prune, look at me. And I want to encourage you, gentlemen, right now, you, here's when you know you're humble, when anybody can inspect you. And you don't allow only certain people to inspect you. See, Saul, when he, when he made a mistake, he was supposed to go and, and um, not deal with anything, kill a king and bring nothing back. But he brought everything back and the king. And Solomon, his leader, came up to him and said these exact words. Could it be that you may have not heard this command correctly? And Saul, in all of his righteousness, says, your foolishness. I did exactly everything I was supposed to do. Now, leave me alone. Okay, clearly he didn't. He wasn't open to correction and probably very little inspection. But then David, after he has an affair with Bathsheba, kills her husband. He's sitting in his palace, and his footman comes up to him and says, hey, I just want to say I've seen what you're doing, and it's wrong. And David's first response is, I ask forgiveness from you and before my God. I am so sorry you're right. So I want to encourage you in this process, 
don't be afraid of who God has to inspect you. Just be open. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's looking in. If you get frustrated with somebody inspecting you, honestly, it's pride. It's just your pride. You're defensive. It's okay. But what are you hiding? What do you feel guilty of? What makes you feel guilty that you don't want to open the cupboard? Oh, don't look in that one. <laughs> That's where I keep my, no, 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 no. I don't drink that stuff. It's just in there. I'm not saying drinking is right or wrong. I'm just saying, what are you hiding that you don't want anybody to open the cupboards? Why can't we always just say, yeah, take a look. What do you see? What, what, what do you not like? And it's hard to stay in that place, but it's 100% doable. So what now I'm going to talk about a couple things. On the cross was a powerful time because you had Jesus in between two natures. You had a nature that was absolutely fleshly, and you had a nature that was absolutely spirit. I should say this, um, flesh aware, faith aware. So you had two thieves on the cross. So you have one guy basically looking over and, hey, Messiah, <laughs> why don't you talk to your God and just bounce down off this thing and get us all out of here? Then you had another guy that said, hey, you know what? We deserve what we're getting. This actually has very little to do with him and more to do with us. And he looks over at Jesus and he says, please remember me when you get up. You're the son of God. Remember me. He didn't say forgive me. He didn't say that. And he was guilty as sin on a cross. And you had one nature going, I'm not buying into this stuff. I'm not buying into that Jesus thing. I'm not going to go all in. I'm not going to have that. I'm going to stay over here, do my thing. I'm going to die. I'm going to die stubborn. I'm going to die my way. And you had another guy that just saw it so much more clearly and said, man, you don't even know what you're saying. You're so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. He is the way. He is the Messiah. And in all of that guilt, in everything he did, he knew. He didn't even ask for forgiveness. He just said, please remember me. So here's an interesting thing. The last seven words that Jesus speaks to a human. You will be with me in paradise. The last seven words spoken to any human. He spoke that to me. In the midst of my sin, on a cross, where I was crucifying, and I didn't know I didn't know Jesus. I thought I knew Jesus because I never killed a man. I thought I was Christian. Stupid. But I was over here on that cross. <clears throat> yeah, let the church people do the church thing. That has nothing to do with me. Yeah, go do your God thing. I do it too. Yeah. I'm not a Satanist. I'm going to heaven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah do your thing. You're weird. Bunch of big old hair. I use Aquanet too, but at least our hair looked cool. We played very loud guitar and we had a bunch of women, so it made sense. Then you get saved, and it's completely different. Just remember me, Lord. Remember me. Just as you go on your life, while on others thou art calling, please don't pass me by. You will be with me in paradise. Mighty words for all humanity to hear. The growing process 
means we have to start walking forward. That thief on the cross, as guilty as he was, did not, per, did not operate in a spirit of guilt, where the other thief on the cross was either very defensive or very sarcastic, or for whatever reason, he was making a mockery of it because he wasn't dealing with him. This thief on the cross here was dealing with him, and he realized he, realized he was a sinner. And he realized by the grace of God, there, there, there goes I. truth is the things that hurt you today should not be the things that hurt you tomorrow. There should be a freedom walk. There should be a time you break up with guilt. There should be a time you break up with pain. There should be a time you break up with your past and you no longer allow its emails. You no longer allow the selfies. You no longer allow the, the texting. You break up with it and you no longer have an intimate relationship with the things that keep you bound. 2 Corinthians states this, 4.18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It's easy to look at our, it's, it's easy to look down. It's easy to look at our pain. It's easy to look at our circumstances. It's easy to look at this stuff. But real pain is real. Real pain is stuff we have to deal with, and real guilt is what we have to deal with, and real shame is what we have to deal with. But sometimes it causes us to make real changes because real, real change comes from real pain. Sometimes a desperation. Um, we were praying this morning, and Pastor Austin, who's over the HBLER program, had the most amazing prayer. And he's just talking about all the revivals that have happened, that almost every revival we can think of comes from desperation, that we're desperate for God. We're just desperate for him to move. We're desperate for him to come into my family. We're desperate for him to come into my life. We're desperate for him to come into my calling, into our anointings, into our faith, into our church, into our region, into our community. In fact, there he goes right there, Austin. It comes into this city, comes into our country, comes into the White House, comes into the dark house, the greenhouse. He comes in everywhere. We're desperate for him because oftentimes real pain causes real change. And real change can come from real pain. And sometimes it has to be that real, but we have to feel it. You can't just stuff it down or the toxic thoughts will overtake you. Maybe your family's had challenge. Maybe your finances have had challenge. Maybe you haven't been as good as, as, as you wanted to be. And I'm just going to share three words with you that will stop the enemy from ever having any territory over your life ever again. And these three words are up until now. Up until now, I haven't done a great job of doing this. Then here's three more for, for you. From now on. But from now on, I'm going to be more intentional with letting all this stuff go. From now on, I want the attitude of the man on the cross because this guy died on the cross and this guy didn't. That guy went to hell. This guy was saved. That nature, that attitude, that stubbornness to stay where you're, where you're not supposed to be changes everything once you get over here. It's okay to be on a cross. It's okay to have challenge. It's okay to might, might not even feel like you're going to make it all the way, but it's that attitude, that process of just being able to say, hey, remember me. Just remember me. Because there's a cycle to it. There's a cycle to the processing. For instance, look at this. The guilt cycle. Earning approval. You have the guilt if you fail, but you have the pressure if you succeed. You have obsession, you have striving, and you have the feeling of isolation. 
and it's the lie. And it just keeps going around and going around. You don't know who you are. You don't know what your identity is. You're doing things to help people think you're somebody you're not possibly. Or maybe you're finding an identity in who you are and what you do. But I'm sorry, finding identity in what you do but not who you are. Not finding your identity in the word of God that he just says, you're his son. He's adopted you. And I've said this before, but somebody needs to hear it tonight. You were not adopted by mistake. I don't know about you, but I have seen a lot of unplanned pregnancies, well, in my own home. <laughs> Surprise. I have seen a lot of unplanned pregnancies in my life, but I've never seen anybody adopt by mistake. And the Bible says you were adopted. You were adopted by what? By the blood, not by what you do, not by how good you are, not by who you know, not by your laurels, not by the money you used to have or the friends you used to have or what's going on in your life. He adopted you by the blood. And you can sit at his table. Now, if you're sitting at his table and he's the head and you're sitting with all, let's just say you were adopted into one of the greatest families of all time and they have all this incredible legacy and all these, these traditions that are really great and pure and fun, but they're so awkward to you because you come from a very dirty life and you come from brokenness and you come from a grotesque modeling and your family tree is really just a horrible thing to be associated with. But they sit you at that table and they say, you're one of us now. You're like, no, I'm not. If you only knew where I come from, and I'm here to tell you God knows where you come from, and he didn't adopt you by mistake, and you can freely sit at that table because you are saved by his grace. And you are equally, uh, equally, equally, equally appreciated and needed and loved and approved of as anyone went before you. The guilt cycle. It just keeps cycling through all these little different areas, they finally get you isolated. When you stop coming to Tuesday nights, you stop going to church, you walk in and you don't make eye contact with anybody. We see it, right, Edward? We see it. And we'll, we'll talk about it. Hey, what's going on with, you know, Racer X? Oh, dude, he's going through it. Well, who's reaching out to him? I've, I've left him five texts. I've called him twice and you don't call back and you're isolating yourself. I just want to challenge you. The enemy's smart. He knows how to trigger you. He knows how to push your buttons. He knows what turns you on. The enemy's been watching you your whole life. I think he knows you better than you do. He knows your countenance. He knows your eyes when you light up. He knows the chicks you're looking at in the, on the, uh, when you're driving home. He knows your frame. He knows the model. He knows what stimulates you. He knows you. Be cautious, gentlemen. If you want what God has for you, go after what God has for you. But you can't blend it. You can't blend it. We just have to be really cautious in how we approach this thing. Philippians 2.13 says it like this. For it is God works, which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I think it was like 1992. I remember reading this. And I remember, we've all been there. Ever read it? Like we've read scripture a lot and all of a sudden you get it and all of a sudden it explodes. You go, oh my gosh, I never saw that before. I remember reading this, and what, what I remember feeling was God's will is God's grace, and God's pleasure is his mercy. God's will and his pleasure. I believe it's God's will that every man, woman, and child find the grace of their father. I believe it's God's will that grace is prevalent for mankind. That, that grace of the cross, of that blood, saves without a doubt, unequivocally, every sin. Every sin. Every sin. 
I will never forget John Edens as long as I live. John Edens, it was 1993 um, at our old, no, it wasn't, it was 90, yeah, it was 93, at our old church. We had 32,000 people saved in 28 days. It was revival. And it came through some, something called Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. It saved the city. It was an incredible time. Actually, um, we videoed it. I had a big video team back then. We videoed it. It's in 18 languages today. We documented the whole thing. An incredible move of God. So there was a guy that um, was in the Hell's Angels, became assassinated in the Hell's Angels. The Vietnam War started, so he went to Vietnam, became a Green Beret, went out. He became special services. He became special ops. And then he became the guy that was called to go in and kill all the children first inside all the huts. And then he would cut off the right ear and wear it around his neck. And the more you had around your neck, the better you were. And he would, I've seen pictures of him. He was the guy that had this, like three or four things of all these ears that went all around, like lays, you know, those things you get in Hawaii. Went to Vietnam, did all of that stuff, and I, I became very, very close friends, so I don't need to, I think you all have enough horror sto- shows in your head already. You don't need this one. But that was his life. That was what he did. And then when he got out, he joined the KKK and became the number one assassin in America for the KKK. Incredible man. Just brutal. Um, he was a bouncer. Um, the g- owner of the bar got saved. The owner of the bar said, you got to go with me to this thing um, to protect me. I'm afraid someone might take me out. <laughs> it was just a lie just to get him there. John Edens went there. John Edens got saved. John Edens, our old pastor, Pastor Ben Berteau, walks out, gives an altar call, and all of a sudden, hands raised, one of them was John Edens. Holy Spirit came into him. God entered him through that, that admission. Remember, Lord, I believe you are the Son of God. It wasn't, yeah, whatever. Bunch of freaking stupid Christians, they don't know what they're doing. You know, that attitude that you can get. What's Pastor Jared know? He doesn't know my situation. His life is amazing. He doesn't know where I come from. God, he doesn't, he doesn't care for me, or he'd be in my business. He would have stopped this from happening. If there was a God, I wouldn't be walking through this. And all of the stuff you tell yourself on this side of the cross. But he was just a man that said, you know what? I, I, it's different. I can feel it. There's something unique about this. Yes, God. He gets involved in a Bible study and has just an incredible six-month change of life. To this day, um, he is blood-bought, spirit-filled, on fire for God. Like I've always said, the world is not changed by a bush that gets on fire. A world is changed by a bush that stays on fire. And he stayed on fire. And this is just a man. Now, maybe your story isn't as complex as, as John's, but we all come to this thing with guilt. We all come to this thing with things we wish we wouldn't have done, things we should have done better, things we could have done better. Philippians 2.13 says, For it's God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. I want to talk about the grace cycle for a moment. Look at the truth. Look at the grace cycle. 
you're receiving grace, you start walking in freedom and joy, you have obedience and you have service that start coming into play because once you start fulfilling the joy, now you want to serve. It's a byproduct of it. Then you have true love and true intimacy. And that, I'm telling you, gentlemen, that is the freedom right there. That is the grace cycle of our lives. And when you get to that freedom stuff, you love honestly. There's nothing to hide. You're inspected by everybody. There's just a freedom about it. You're afraid about it. And if you look at the two words, grace and mercy, grace is not getting what you, grace is not getting what you deserve because you deserve the punishment and mercy is getting what you do not deserve. That's the pleasure. It's God's will that you don't get what you deserve, but it's his pleasure to give you what you don't deserve. To the over and above, the peace, the joy, that wife, the children coming back, the life, the blessing, the peace, the calling, the destiny, the anointing. So much. When you walk in freedom, it changes who you are. The simple things that confound you, the simple things that used to confound you, every single one of us gentlemen have a trigger that makes you angry. Every single one of us has the, has the thing. I know a couple people in this room right now are going through relationship issues, issues, walking stuff through. And when those people call and give you a hard time, it hurts you. Trigger. You start feeling angry, then you start feeling guilty. Some other people I know in this room are going through financial challenges where it's hard to really make that cash that you need. And when something breaks on your car, it triggers you and it starts to make you doubt. And that makes you angry because you're trying to believe. Because Pastor Jared and Pastor Randy and everybody's saying, hey, we got to believe, we got to believe, we got to believe. And I'm not believing. I'm upset. I'm P.O. This is ridiculous. Where's my God? Where's my God? Why is, why is this breaking down? Why isn't she doing this? Why is, instead of going, Lord, just please remember me today. I'm okay. This, this is well. It's okay. Just remember me. There's a cycle to it. There's a cycle how you do it. And Look at this. Passion makes you assert, uh, assertive. Obsession makes you aggressive. There is a difference between what you're called to do and what you feel like you need to do. If you feel like you're being driven to something where you can't sleep and it's, you're not getting rest and you're not getting peace, perhaps you're being driven. Maybe it's turned into an obsession. Maybe it has turned into a distraction. Maybe it's not this great thing that you're supposed to be doing. Or maybe, maybe you don't have the patience to wait it out and you get in front of them and it started out to be a really good idea and now, now it's not really flowing. Pause, back up, pause, back up, take a bigger breath, take a bigger breath. But if you're walking in peace, there's, there's if, sorry, if you're walking in your passion, there's a peace to it because you've learned to wait. You've learned to wait. You just wait. How does it work? You wait. Those that wait on the Lord will be filled. Just wait, wait, wait. The Lord leads and the devil drives. It's a, just a known fact, man. And when I'm telling you, when you start dealing with pain and you start dealing with that, you guys, I'm telling you, it's so easy not to deal with your pain and get obsessed with changing the garage. You get obsessed with, I'm going to redo the car now. I'm going to go back and redo the whole backyard. And you just don't take those times to be a human being and you start being a human doing. And you just don't pause and let the stuff work. Because what's happening is you have toxic thoughts that can come in to the most beautiful day. And before you know it, all those thoughts, all those feelings, all those things that you still have not let go are creeping back in. I like this thought. We are not driven to do anything, but we're allowed to do everything. God 
allowed us to do anything. He's allowed us to walk in his callings, to walk in his destiny, to receive his word, to believe his word, to have healthy lives, to have healthy relationships, to be transparent, to have a life more abundant, to have an overcoming life, to have a life that's built on freedom. We're allowed to it. We're not driven to it. There's a peace to it. There's a joy to it. There is fruit to it. It is really hard to have a complete God-centered life because your flesh has to die. And there's no substitute. And it's a simple process, but it's a long one. It takes a long time, gentlemen, to be able to be, to go from a private says, I just want to be the best general. In order for that guy to calm down and he gets his general stuff and he starts getting his stars and he's very calm. Now he understands strategy, he understands leadership, he understands deployment, he understands timing, he's instinctual. What's going to happen in the battlefield? It's not, it's not the possession of the shield, it's the position of the shield. You know, privates don't know that, generals do. It just takes time, gentlemen. So give yourself plenty of time to succeed, plenty of time to figure it out. There's not a light switch moment to life. It's a process. Philippians 2.13 says this, for it is God which works in you. Oh, so sorry. So I actually wanted to bring it down back to this. So once again, it is God that works in you both to do his will and his good pleasure. He's going to work in you. He was working in the thief on the cross, and the thief on the cross had no guilt. It was a guilt-free moment. It doesn't matter what you did. What matters is that you don't die on the cross. What matters is that you give. You give that respect, you give that relationship, you give that anointing, you give that time, you give that space, you just let it go. You let it go. Walk in freedom, walk in freedom. Luke 23, 46 states like this. Into your, oh, gosh, don't you, hate it when I get in front of myself. Hate it when I get in front of myself. So, now we're going to go to the last seven words Jesus spoke. The very final words of the Messiah. Into your hands. I commend my spirit. It's funny because the last thing he told man is, you will be with me. Now he tells God, into your hands I commend my spirit. And I just encourage you to have that as your mantra. Those seven words. Into your hands I commend my spirit. Into your hands. I don't care what she thinks. I don't care what they think. I don't care what he thinks. Into your hands into your hands. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 state this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In how many ways? Most of your ways? Four of your ways? The private ways, the things you do on your computer at night when your wife's not around? Okay, got it. All your ways submit to him. And he will what? He will make your path straight. I remember hearing this, and you're going to have to bear with me on the next slide because it's going to be kind of funny, but honestly, this is how I see it. He takes the questions, he levels it out, and then he tells you to go for it. He makes the crooked things straight. He takes my questions, he deals with them, and then he empowers me to have courage. He empowers me to have knowledge. He empowers me to have wisdom because I come to the thing with many questions. You sure I'm saved? Do you see my past? Do you see where I'm saved? 
I don't know, man. I don't know how good that blood is. You might have missed a spot. I mean, I keep a lot of stuff locked up. Do you sure it seeped inside of there? You sure you got my kids under your hand? Because it doesn't look like they do. Actually, my kids are phenomenal now. But that brings questions. Did I do it right? And then all of a sudden, the enemy would start showing me the reels of all the times I did it wrong. And you're like, ah. Overtakes you, overtakes you. You start feeling depressed, discouraged. And all of a sudden, that small voice. No, 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 no. That was your past. That's not your future. We've all made mistakes. We've all fallen short. It's okay. And all of a sudden, you think, that's right, that's right, that's right. Whoa, 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 I forgot. But I always find myself sometimes questioning in times of challenge and adversity. Do you think God has his hand on me? Does he really have his hand on me? Because by all circumstance, it doesn't look like it. But all of a sudden, yeah, no, lean not on your own understanding. Don't look about what you see. We've got to be more concerned about what we don't see. Just like that thief on the cross, he looked more on what he didn't see. And the greatest thing about this moment, now I believe what it spoke to me was this man got saved. This man received the fact that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Because that's what he tells the guy. Don't say that. Dude, no, look at my eyes. They're boneheads. Yeah, he's the son of God, dude. What are you doing? You're, you're stupid. You don't even know that. I want to be with you. Remember me. He came alive. And the truth is this. Things buried alive cannot die. Let him bury you. Let him take your life. Let him take it all. Tonight, let this be one of the significant moments in your life that you once again stumble to the cross and say, I want to give you this thing that I just had a hard time letting go of. I can't believe she did that. I can't believe they did that. I can't believe he did that. I can't believe it happened. All of the stuff that causes you not to let go because you're looking for revenge. And you mock God. Tonight, I just encourage you, man, just to have a moment with God and say, Lord, I'm going to give this to you tonight. The greatest thing that could ever happen to you is you learn to walk in freedom. You're saved. You've got salvation. Now, there's many theories if you can lose your salvation. I'm kind of a bit under the auspices that you can't because I would have by now. <laughs> I'm saying I made a lot of stupid mistakes. But he still loves me and he's still for me and he's still with me and he's never left me and that's what I hold on to. Even when I'm stumbling through life and I'm making absolute stupid choices that I've planned to do ahead of time, knowing it's wrong, knowing it's not his will for my life, but I'm mapping it out, I'm planning it out, and I end up doing it and I go, that was the stupidest thing I've ever done. And God going, yeah, you're kind of right. That was the stupidest thing you've ever done. It's like watching your child do something. And now, starting over again at my age with kids is awesome because you know what not to do. But the cool thing is there's so much metaphor in this child of just watching him grow up. Like when he starts to lose his balance, he reaches out for my hand. The simple things that a dad does. The simple things that our God does for us. Of when we stumble, we got God, where are you? Okay, awesome. Instead of stumbling, just, I don't need your help. I can do this. I'm going to do this on my own. It's just easy to, it's easy to be this guy. 
it's easy to be the guy not to receive scripture. Yeah, I watched the whole thing happen. He's the Messiah. I heard about the healings. I saw the thing at the well. Yeah, I saw the whole, the whole day. Yeah, what, didn't one of your guys commit suicide? You know, I, I saw it all. Got it. Yeah, Christianity. It's awesome. Yay. Yeah, you're not doing anything for me. It's easy to become that guy. It's easy to discount scripture. It's easy to discount the will of God. It's easy not to be kingdom-minded. But I'm telling you, there's some freedom about those people that realize, just remember me, Lord. Just remember me. I don't want to deal with all the junk I did. I just want to. Let, I just want you to know that I believe in you. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you have my hand, or my. Um, I believe you have my life in your hands. I believe you're for me. I believe you have a will for me, a calling for me, a destiny for me, and I want to walk away from these things that keep me shackled to my past. We're gonna play a song, and we're all gonna stand. When we play this song, if you're holding on to anything. During this four minutes and 23 seconds, I want you to give it to God. I'm begging you, don't die on the cross. You have no idea what, you're, what, what tomorrow brings. You have no idea your appointed time. Man, just walk in freedom for the rest of it. If you're going through challenge and adversity, it's okay to go through challenge and adversity. Just keep giving it to God. Keep giving it to God. Keep giving it to God. Keep giving it to God.